Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Maz. In this episode, I sat down for a chat in the shed with my friend Kyle Johnson. I first got to know Kyle when he was a fresh graduate out of uh, Lewis and Clark College, and he started to lead these things called bike trains in North Portland. Bike trains were the precursor to what we know now as bike buses, where he would meet kids and ride with them to school. Uh, That was Kyle's first endeavor as a bike advocate in our community. Uh, He got his bike trains, uh, some national headlines, and all sorts of attention. It was a really fun time. Uh, From there, he went on to doing a bunch of great work uh, around Southwest Barber Boulevard safety issues. And then he went on to start and become the owner of the Go Buy Bike Shop and the valet service that's right under the Portland Aerial Tram in the South Waterfront District. Uh, So Kyle is sort of a serial advocacy entrepreneur in some ways. In addition to all that, Kyle is also the volunteer chair of Bike Loud PDX, a wonderfully scrappy nonprofit that is quickly becoming a strong voice for bicycling uh, in Portland. Kyle got in touch with me a few days ago and said, hey, let's talk a little bit about the Portland Bureau of Transportation's uh, new hire that they're looking to do for the director position. And like I've been wanting to do for a long time, instead of having that conversation with Kyle privately on the phone, I said, hey, why don't you come over to the shed so we can talk about it and share that conversation with everyone else. So this is a little bit of a different vibe than we've had before on this podcast, but I hope you like it. It's just Kyle and I, two old guys sitting in the shed talking about Portland bike stuff. We talked about uh, how important this hire is for Peabot and why we think the new Peabot director could be such a pivotal person in terms of the future of the agency and then, of course, uh, of bicycling and transportation in general in Portland. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I certainly did. Here's how it went. Okay, so Kyle, thanks for coming to the shed to talk about this. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You actually reached out to me and wanted to talk about this. Why Why is who we hire for the director of Peabot so important to you? We have seven more years to meet the uh, bike plan of 25% of all trips by bike. Um, since the plan has been passed, we've gone from 7% to 5%, um, and we're just not making progress. And this hire is going to be really important for sort of setting the policy for the next seven years uh, about whether or not we accomplish that. And I think it's really important, uh, especially this hire, because we're in this transition period moving into the charter reform. So in two years, Portland's government, city government is going to change. How we hire these people is going to change. Um, and so the director that we have going into this is going to be really important in sort of setting the culture and the, uh, the policies uh, moving forward. Okay, so if the director is important and you started by saying you're concerned that we haven't been doing enough and we're not making enough progress, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that you think that the directors up until now haven't necessarily done the best job. They have not made very much progress for the bike plan or Vision Zero. Let's, let's just talk about previous uh, directors. Okay. I think you've kind of been around. Uh, you've been around this scene kind of for a similar time period as me, maybe a few years less. But I, I was listing them out uh, in terms of going. I, I can still remember uh, being in my college dorm room reading Bike Portland. Oh, I love it. it call, uh, Lewis and Clark, right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I was just doing some. I love going back into the archives and looking at, at some of the history stuff. So when I first started doing Bike Portland, there was a person named Sue Keel who was a director of Peabot. She had the position uh, from 2005, which is when we started Bike Portland, uh, up until 2011. Um, And she was not a bike person at all. I don't even know if she had like previous transportation policy interest or anything. She was, however, considered to be and was like very focused on operations and like financial resiliency and and that sort of thing. Um, And I think in general, the director position I want to talk about that specifically, but there's like these, there's two pieces of it or more than that, but there's like the operational efficiency budget person, right? Uh, part of it. Then there's the like uh, charisma. Can you focus on a vision part of it? Right. There's like the transportation policy chops part of it. But anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting distracted. So after Sue Keel in 2011, uh, we had this interesting couple of years where uh, Tom Miller was the PBOT director. Right. Tom, Tom was appointed to the position by Sam Adams and 
sort of because of all the stuff around Sam Adams, like in a way, like uh, Tom was sort of doomed in that position. The Oregonian was coming after him and uh, and stuff like that. So uh, he was around till about 2013. Uh, and then after him was Leah Treat, who came from Chicago. She worked for uh, uh, Gabe Klein uh, in the transportation department in Chicago. And she was, she was hired in 2013. And Leah Treat was out, I believe, in 2018. And Leah Treat, in my recollection, like she really was a... She was clearly like a bike person. She rode bikes. I know her husband actually was a bike racer quite a bit. So she had she had the biking thing. Uh, she also had a lot of transportation policy chops. Uh, so there's that. And then in 2018, uh, Chris Warner came on. And of course, uh, uh, Chris Warner took a job in the governor's office and left uh, just recently. Uh, and he is... He rides a bike. I wouldn't call him like a bike-centric person uh, by any stretch, uh, but he has been known to get on a bike. Um, he he didn't come from a transportation policy background. He was been more of like a government person. He was on the staff of former Commissioner Steve Novick prior to coming in uh, into Peabot. And just interestingly, uh, Chris Warner's wife it was a, a house rep down in Salem for a long time. So like more of a political background, I think. Um, and here we are. Uh, so I'm just curious, like, you know, um, let's see, what are some, what are some traits or, you know, personalities or interests or things that you think will be important for like finding a great Peabot director this time? Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting, like reflecting on that list, uh, Sue Keel was, it was under her that the bike plan was passed and developed, um, the least ideological of, all of the the directors. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, maybe sort of help push the most like, you know, progressive and advanced, uh, you know, cycling document or basically envision of 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 Portland. Yeah, so that that kind yeah. of raises like the idea that if you have someone in there who's sort of bike oriented or progressive, let's say, they attract attention. They attract controversy they make it into something that then people then the haters can come in and say we don't want that whereas maybe like what you, i think what you're saying right is like with sue keel she was just quiet about it she just kind of let the bureaucrats do their job she let her staff mm -hmm. and you know all the planners do their job so maybe that's a recipe for more success when the leader the figurehead doesn't have as much of like a progressive agenda that people can fight against so any, anyway yeah interesting i mean it certainly happened when the person that replaced her, Tom Miller, right, like was super progressive. Actually, if you look back, um, one of the he was a skateboarder, right? That was his thing. Yeah, Tom Miller came into into the city as a skateboard activist. Actually, the person who got the Portland skate park network off the ground and is still involved with skate skate activism right now. They're trying to get the uh, Steel Bridge skate park done. Um, now he's working for Renee Gonzalez's office. He was in charge of the transition, and I think he's still in there in some advisory capacity for sure. So he's still in City Hall, which is which is fascinating. Um, but. He was really progressive, right? And I think we all, I mean, I really loved having him in the position because he agreed, he like wanted the same stuff I wanted, right? So uh, I was just thinking about, we were talking about the difference between having someone that pushes the boundary at Peabop versus someone who's sort of more in the background. Um, Tom, at one point, there was a budget, budget came up, it was like 2012, 2013. He actually made the decision, which was super interesting from a policy standpoint of like basically stopping all the paving projects in the budget to like save money. Right. So typically PBOT is always in budget problems because they rely on the gas tax and there's all these things. Why again mm -hmm. this year they're currently in a really tough spot budget wise. They love talking about how uh, four billion yeah. in the hole, right? Yeah. Isn't that the Yeah, so that so yeah. so that came up and Tom was like arguably probably the most like progressive PBOT director we've ever had. And he like you know, I've had this idea and you'll see it out in among like urbanists and other things where it's like, why do we keep spending like throwing good money after bad in the sense of like if if a transportation department in the modern era is struggling to pay the bills to maintain a system that's built around driving, at what point do we stop putting more money into that system that basically facilitates more driving? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where you get into this idea of like, hey, maybe we focus on different kinds of roads where, you know, there's bikes and buses more likely to use. And we don't necessarily throw all of our like most of our money into paving roads so that drivers can keep, you know, having convenience and all this stuff. So we're spending uh, 10 billion dollars to widen six miles of urban. Freedom. Yeah, stuff like that. But it was really controversial. Going after paving is seen as like, you know, paving equals equals driving politically. Right. And there was always that there was always that tension between do we support paving to report or do we support quote unquote safety projects, which is like a euphemism for bike walk and transit. So Tom, to, to his credit, you know, like cut the paving budget by a lot. It didn't go well. 
for him. Uh, it got a huge, there was a huge hit piece in the Oregonian about it uh, that really took him to task. And that, that was it. So you attract attention, maybe in a negative way, you could argue, when you try to do that stuff, if you get too far ahead of, of where the public is. So, I mean, it's interesting to think about, you know, what kind of person would be right for this I think moment. One of the key things to think about is like, how, is, how does PBOT maintain legitimacy? And I feel like Tom Miller lost that legitimacy uh, sort of in that uh, argument and after that Oregonian article came out uh, and, you know, just with his connection to Sam Adams, too. Um, And, uh, yeah, like how what the what kind of messaging does Peabot do and how does it, you know, have the legitimacy to change our streets um, and who gets to sort of make those decisions? Is it at the neighborhood association level? Is it at the director level? Is it at the bureaucratic level? Um, and, you know, I think that something that I think have been thinking a lot about uh, is that Alameda diverter. Uh, this was a diverter, one diverter that was proposed on, what was it, Fremont and like 40th. Um, and it just became this very like impassioned argument with this neighborhood association that thought that they had the power and the legitimacy to decide this. And they did a, a neighborhood association vote for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Oh, yeah, 37th in Fremont. 37th in Fremont, yeah. yeah. Alameda in Fremont, but the, the name changes as you cross the street. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you had this neighbor association that like thought that they had the legitimacy to like make this decision, um, and and then you know Peabot said no, or we have the legitimacy, and this is you know part of our plans, and we're going to do this like one year trial, um, and it took a long time and just a lot of bureaucratic resources and time to sort of do this one project, and so I think we really need a, a director who can sort of like look at the big picture of how can we efficiently sort of maintain legitimacy to do these really big proposals and goals that we have as a city to transform Portland to 25% of all trips by bike is going to take a lot of work and a lot of changes. And we're going to have to move a lot faster than we have been. Okay. So you brought up a specific project to me in thinking about this conversation. I think one of the most important moments for um, former director Warner's sort of tenure was was the Hawthorne project, where mm-hmm. during his tenure, he laid the groundwork for what I think was the wrong way to handle the Hawthorne Boulevard project, where they ended up basically widening the road for cars, and there was a big push to get bike lanes, which they 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 refused, and all this other stuff. You can read about it on Bike Portland if you want the background, but he laid the groundwork for having to make that decision by a, the the biggest mistake was not talking to commissioner former commissioner hardesty about the importance of bicycling in portland mm-hmm. and we know that right because the commissioner came to a bicycle advisory committee meeting and when the idea of the 2030 bike plan came up she was like what are you guys talking about i didn't know we had a bike plan mm-hmm. that's interesting i'll look into that yeah and so right all the jaws hit the table because mm-hmm. we're like wow that's 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 not good right and i think people were I think in the moment, people were a little bit, um, you know, they weren't too happy with Commissioner Hardesty. But I think overall, I'm hoping people realize that, like, it's not necessarily her responsibility to know that at that point. And I think the bigger thing was that she was never briefed about it by Peabot. I mean, to me, that was literally the director's job Mm -hmm. to make sure that the new commissioner, especially before they go to a bike advisory committee meeting, at least has some working knowledge of the bike plan. And it fits into like a wider thing of the director and just like upper management and Peabot recently not wanting to put bicycles front and center mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, they, they, it seems like they inform the commissioners a lot about their maintenance backlog and their funding uh, needs, but not so much about their bicycling goals. Right. And I, I mean, I think that's tied to the sense in City Hall in, in recent years that bicycling is just sort of like inherently controversial or inherently, you know, rich white guys or something. Right. Which I think is another kind of thing. There's a lot of different things have like hurt. I think the you mentioned legitimacy earlier. And mm-hmm. I think that is a huge part of like where Peabot is right now. They've lost so much of that relevance in City Hall because the issue itself, not just of bicycling, I think, but of transportation more broadly, has just has much less heft in Portland. 
much less political heft. Because people forget former commissioner, then mayor Sam Adams came into office probably 2004. He was commissioner for four years, then mayor. He, for him, transportation was like his main issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so that has an impact when sort of like the biggest, one of the biggest movers and shakers in city hall, when they're basically, one of their most important issues is transportation. That means transportation then becomes pervasive at city hall. And it just so happens that because of the moment Portland was in bicycling kind of was the biggest part of transportation. So that meant bicycling was a big part of that building in city hall. Um, so people underestimate, I think the fact that without that presence, it's just slowly eroded over the years. And so with that Peabot's relevance has eroded. And I think it has something to do with like the morale at Peabot as well, which I'm not in that office necessarily. And, and, and I am unable to look at it as closely as I used to because the people there don't talk as freely as they used to. But I think it's, would you, do you think it's like correct or accurate for me to say that like employee morale at Peabot is low and that might figure into like, you know, the, the job that the director should or could do? I think that there is an acknowledgement of people who work at Peabot that they have these goals and they're not meeting them. And I think that that's really frustrating for, you know, people working in that uh, bureaucracy. Yeah. So to achieve those goals, they're going to have to push hard on stuff that like, that's kind of why I brought up the Hawthorne thing in a way. It's like, they're going to have to do stuff that maybe makes people uncomfortable. I know people assume that I'm like bike centric. Obviously (laughs) I can't do much about that uh, bias when people come to me, obviously as the bike Portland guy. And I'm not trying to be bike centric, but I do think that bicycling is the best tool to achieve the goal, the many different goals we have around transportation, health, and other things. Actually, it's it's a really powerful tool. Yeah, I, and, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, I think it's, I think it hasn't been talked about in the right way. I won't say enough because I actually personally stopped talking about bicycling too, in a lot of ways, in recent years as other issues have become more pressing. Mm-hmm. Right, and when I say stop talking about bicycling, I mean I'm not down at city hall pushing it. I'm not holding people to account in the same way mm-hmm. because I know that there are struggling down downtown with other issues like police brutality you know race racial justice stuff housing affordability homelessness as those things percolated up i sort of naturally said hey this isn't the time for like the bike people to be (laughs) raising their fists at city hall that's just not cool um but i do think we're at a moment where it might be time to start being more loud about biking Mm -hmm. downtown again i think it's an important time i think this director Mm -hmm. position is going to matter uh, especially because it's going to outlive like the commission form of government, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so like, what are your th- thoughts on that? Do you think, do you think not having to answer to a specific commissioner is going to make the the Peabot director position more or less powerful or, or influential? I think it has the potential to make it a much more influential and much more powerful uh, because you don't have one director that's you know responsible for this, and that power is kind of diluted. Um, you know, I think that one of the things, one of the reasons why Bike Loud supported the, the charter reform was that we saw that, uh, you know, we uh, uh, don't have those like champions at City Hall anymore, uh, that, you know, transportation is their thing. And there needs to be at least one person, hopefully two people, a couple people that, uh, that like transportation is their thing. And if you have like uh, those few people uh, who make that their thing, you can like accomplish a lot of things. And so I really hope that, you know, once the, the charter form goes into effect, that, you know, a lot of the people listening to this podcast consider running for, for, for office. Um, and, you know, with the, the way the ranked choice voting, uh, there's just a lot more, it's a lot more accessible and, uh, there's a lot more opportunity to, uh, to, to join city council. So I so if I hear you so far, you're saying that you, oh wait, first to finish your thought on that, do or to add to your thought on that, do you think it's going to be like the Peabot director's job to go like you know to to go find those champions on council, and to make sure that those people are there, even folks that aren't necessarily one at the time, do you would you see it as like a, would you see a great Peabot director being able to go over to City Hall and like have the lunches and build the relationships to find those champions? Um, I hope that those champions you know, are very vocal and, uh, and apparent on city council and that they find the, the director and, you know, are able to sort of use the power of city council to sort of like advance the transportation goals in Portland. Right. All right. But like, maybe we're seeing this as just like differently, but like, I would think that a really great director 
would walk out of the Portland building, walk across the street to City Hall, mm-hmm. and proactively say it's so and and understand that it's so important to have champions at City Hall that it's my job as director to make those champions even if they're not there, right? So you do that by you know coffee, one coffee, <laughs> one beer at a time, one you know whatever whatever it takes to build those relationships. So that's 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 um that's just like to finish your your thing about you know finding the champions do you do you hope they're there and that they interact well with the peabot director or do you do you say no we need a peabot director that's going to go force those relationships to happen you know what i'm saying yeah a peabot without those champions on city council is just not effective it uh just doesn't have the resources and the the political capital to to do all the the big projects and goals that we have for it so when they went out to hire, the last time that I remember them having like a national search, I actually got to be on the hiring panel, oh. which was interesting. Uh, and I was like very pleased that Peabot invited me or the mayor's office actually invited me to come sit on the hiring panel. Yeah, um, This is when this was like 2013 when they ended up hiring uh, Leah Treat. Um, that was interesting. They didn't, I'm not expecting an invite this time because I kind of... I probably, uh, I, I don't think they were too happy with the fact that after Leah Treat was hired, and they said we could share what we heard in the panel discussions after the person was hired, mm-hmm. and so I did, and then she had to go into the Oregonian and like walk back, because then she, she ended up saying in the hiring process that she believes that Portland is stagnating around mm. transportation. So, of course, I did a story saying that <laughs> the Peabot director said, you know, Peabot is stagnating, which is a narrative that I really worked hard to kind of like make people understand. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so then I, I don't think they were super excited that I that I shared that because it got it got them into a little bit of trouble. But at that time, uh, you well, know, I'll, they, I'll just say that I don't have a bike blog and would be happy to be on any hiring committee. You should as a as the leader of Bike Loud PDX, which is like, you know, our main sort of voice for strong bicycling advocacy in Portland, I would think that they would want you at the table. So hopefully they pick someone from Bike Loud to be on that panel. So what I wanted to say about the panel, sorry, is that they, I think they had like, we learned that they had like 44 applications from like all over the country. Mm. And I remember writing at the time when I wrote about the panel, how impressed I was with like the process they went through. And I was super impressed with the candidates. All three of the finalists that in, that we interviewed with were really, really good. Um, and so I had this thought of like, I mean, correct, like, I'm curious what you think, but like, Portland is not the city it was in 2013. We have taken a huge hit in our reputation. Like we've said, like people know our reputation even around transportation isn't what it was for sure. Just even more broadly, like we've just been trashed in the media so much and there are some, some pretty big things going on here that have, I mean, do you think we would even get do you think that's going to hurt our candidate pool? I mean, do you have any concerns that like we're not going to get necessarily the best and brightest who back then, you know, jumped at the chance to come to Portland, which was like the leader for transportation policy and stuff nationwide. Mm-hmm. Do you worry at all that we may not even attract those kind of candidates? Uh, totally. I think that that's a, you know, back then Portland was like the only city that was like, had all these plans and doing all this stuff. And now there's just like so many other cities, which is great, that are doing this stuff and they have a lot more money to, you know, uh, to implement uh, these changes. And, you know, Portland, our street system is just so big. Uh, and our, you know, the, the land mass is, is a lot of street to, to have to be responsible for. Um, I think that there's a lot of great people internally at Peabot. And okay, who should it be? Let's name names. <laughs> so you would okay so okay i'll let you think about that for a sec you you wouldn't be opposed to hiring what about internal versus external so do you think it's important to have a national search or sh- should they look inward and what are the differences and in, in benefits and you know disadvantages between those two things um yeah i think that i think that they should definitely do a national search and see who they can get but i'm perfectly happy with uh with a, an internal choice. I think that with an internal choice, there's a lot of advantages. Somebody who knows the system, they know you know, the politics already, they know city council already. Uh, there's a lot less of a learning curve. Um, you know, what happened with the, the police uh, bureau director, uh, what, Daniel Outlaw? 
Is that her oh, name? Oh, yeah, Danielle. Yeah. Danielle Ella. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the city spent a lot of time and resources, you know, recruiting her. And and then uh, she I don't even think that she lasted a year before she got a job in a bigger city. Um, and Have so you- we really need somebody who's committed to Portland. I think that that, to me, that's like one of the strongest things. And maybe that's somebody internally, but uh, somebody who's committed to you know, implementing all these goals and visions of Portland. Hmm. Have you heard from them specifically? Have they used the word, we're going to use a national search? I don't recall if they've actually said that or not. Because a part of me thinks they might, given that charter reform's coming up, mm-hmm. maybe their internal strategy is specifically to hire from within just to minimize that sort of whiplash. I mean, if you hi- imagine hiring someone from a different city. Mm-hmm. You have to come in, familiarize yourself with our super backwards, almost unique form of commissioned form of government and it's going to change and then it's going to change as soon as you get comfortable so maybe they are going to look at within i mean we should mention that they do have an interim director right now who is tara i think that's how you say her name tara Mm waziak unfortunately i've never had a conversation with her or met her and i don't know a ton about her i've heard some things about her um so she's there i think but i i agree with you there are other people inside the bureau that i would be excited to see take on the role um i'm sort of of two minds about that. I mean, I, I would love to see some fresh eyes. I've been saying for a while that one of the reasons I think maybe Peabot is things are a little bit stagnant is because we don't have enough fresh eyes in there to really kind of like shake things up and go, hey, y'all, what the heck are you doing this for or that for? Mm-hmm. But also I do see, like you were saying, I do think there is a ton of value in someone who can hit the ground running, has the relationships, and who can like appreciate the recent roller coaster that this city has been through. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, yeah, be committed to saying like, you know, like uh, President Biden was saying last night, like, let's finish the job. You yeah. know, like when he was saying that in the State of the Union, he kept repeating it. I think that was like their main mantra from the whole speech. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about the bike plan. And it's like, <laughs> hey, hey, folks, let's finish the job. Yeah. You know, like Joe Biden. So I hope that new director comes in and has that kind of thing. And if, you, if you're if you not from here, I don't think you're going to have that same like uh, intimacy or like that same dedication to wanting to finish some of this wanting to finish the bike plan, wanting to finish some of the other goals and stuff that mm-hmm. the city's laid out. I mean, people shouldn't forget, this isn't just the bike plan we're talking about. The bike plan's a piece of, you know, the climate plan. It's also in our transportation system plan. Like it's it's actually woven directly into the major city policies that, mm-hmm. that we're trying to reach. Yeah, I think that one of the the big, biggest successes recently in sort of developing at, uh, at PBOT and how, they, how the bureaucracy works has been these in-motion plans. In motion, in plan. motion plan, right, right, yeah. like Northwest in motion, East Portland in motion North was the Portland first one. Motion. North Portland, yeah, mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. you know this big planning process where they bring in you know a lot of diverse voices and groups and sort of like uh, come up with you know uh, a, a shared vision uh, for sort of a district, um, and then you know they look at all different modes and all the streets in the neighborhood, and then they sort of get the sign-off on it, and it goes to city council, gets approved by city council. And so, like, in Northwest Portland, after that in-motion plan was passed, you know, Peabot was able to create, like, 17 diverters in a year, install 17 diverters in a year. Right. Whereas in Northeast Portland, where there hasn't been this in-motion plan, you know, it took so much work to get this one diverter in place. Um and so, yeah, I think that somebody who can understand that that power dynamic and can really help support the in-motion plans uh, becoming a more, like, integral part of how planning is done in Epibot. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Someone who's smart enough to recognize the value in that in-motion plan approach, right. Okay, we talked about national versus local and the balance of, like, those two options. What about another one? Like, how about, what do you think about, what is your feeling about if the person is like this firebrand, visionary, charismatic person versus someone who may, might be better at sort of the operational side and the financial side. I don't think they are either or. We can have both. But what do you think about the balance or those two different types of people? Mm, I don't know if it's the role of Peabot to be the firebrands. I think that that's the role of Bike Portland, of Bike Loud, of advocacy groups in Portland. Uh, need to be like promoting that vision and building that that coalition uh, that can be really loud about sort of having that you know the making the the, the case and the argument um, and so I think I would le- uh, err more on the operational side I think that that's that's a uh, uh, more important and and it's up to us to 
to create that message. That's that's good. That's good food for thought. What do you think then about like uh, kind of related to that? You know, like the, I've been watching like the director of Seattle's Department of Transportation. I think his name's Greg Spots. Um, he's on Twitter a bunch, you know, posting pictures, goofy selfies of him in front of a project. To me, that's kind of on that side of being like the the more retail politician, the more retail kind of director person where you have those interactions. And I think that does build charisma and it builds a little bit of like interest in your office, which I think gives you legitimacy. Like, do you think that kind of thing's important? Like, would you rather have a director that's on Twitter doing cool stuff on Twitter and interacting with the community that way or just social media in general? Or would you rather have somebody who's not really like that and not interacting in that way? I would rather see uh, people in Portland uh, going online and sharing stuff as opposed to the director. I would rather have uh, Jenna Bikes uh, going to, you know, talking about an infrastructure project or, you know, more videos of Sam Balto's bike bus. Um, to me, I think that that's a lot more effective than the the, the director uh having a twitter account you okay that's great i i appreciate that maybe they get a retweet from the director account or yeah something. yeah that's, but you, that's but you don't you uh-huh. don't need to see the director on there you know replying to reply yeah. guys and stuff Yeah, definitely I, some, some retweets you. yeah yeah okay good okay another a sort of another sort of either or what's the balance how about um uh I, i'm always thinking of leaders in terms of are they more sort of political are they a, are they a politician or are they like an activist advocate person right mm-hmm. and i think in portland recently we've had some really uh, interesting uh, illustrations of those two personalities. Like I'm thinking, um, like uh, Commissioner Daly, right, mm-hmm. was had nothing to do with politics at all. Yeah. Before she came into office, and you know she was a small business per- owner. She was an activist organizer type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw what happened with her in office. You know, people can like or not like the stuff she did, but that's that is what it is. Um, and, you know, we've definitely had more political... She also, I think, laid the groundworks for the Hawthorne uh, decision, too. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Because And her office made a conscious choice along... Well, Director Warner was there. Mm-hmm. Her office, they made a conscious choice to de-emphasize cycling mm-hmm. and to emphasize transit yeah. based on their perception that that was better for racial equity mm-hmm. and around the racial justice issue. Totally. Right. Which I can argue that they're right. And I can argue that that's not the best way to go about managing Portland's transportation. <laughs> I think that's mm-hmm. a little bit of a digression, but you're right. You're right. And it wasn't until, um, you know, she was supposed to start focusing on cycling right before she didn't get reelected. Yeah. Uh, and actually did a story saying how excited I was that their office said they were going to start focusing on cycling, but then she didn't get reelected. They also, and this is sort of related to this conversation, there was supposed to be a city council day for bicycling. Mm-hmm. I think it was like September of her final, like of 2021, when you right daily was- Right before the election. Yeah. Right before the election. It was supposed to be a, a bike day at council, basically. And there were several really interesting things. I mean, for you and I, really interesting things that they were supposed to talk about. It was kind of like to educate commissioners on cycling. And it was kind of a tacit acknowledgement from the Udaily administration that they'd been basically ignoring cycling up until then. So I was like excited getting ready for that. Like this is the time when cycling is going to start to re-enter city hall. But guess what? They postponed that council thing. They took it down from the agenda based on the idea that they didn't, they hadn't done enough work around racial equity and that they were afraid that having a bunch of white Peabot staff and other white people come to Portland, come to city hall and talk about cycling would send the wrong message about how far they still have to go around their commitment to be anti-racist and integrate racial justice into Peabot. Anyway. And then they lost the election. And then they lost the election, and that bike thing never happened. And those kind of sort of like attitudes and ideas, I, I think, still permeate Peabot, where there's a lack of confidence there because I think some of the leading people, some of the people who might be putting their name in for this director position, I think have this mistaken perception or an inability to talk about cycling in a way that embraces you know, the past sort of like uh, uh, mistakes or the past uh, realities of it being more uh, like too much of a white thing in Portland, embracing them, but then figuring out a way to change the narrative and to talk about it differently so that it still stays true to like the the values and beliefs and everything that we've adopted goal-wise for the city, 
right? So anyway, that's going to be really interesting to see how that, how, how or if that plays out. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point about like, what does cycling mean for Portland? What does bicycling mean for Portland? I want a director who can like answer that question uh, in a really like thoughtful and knowledgeable way. Um, I, I actually asked uh, Chris Warner, we were on a bike ride and I asked him, what does uh, bicycling mean for Portland? And he kind of like paused for a second and he said, well, you know, I think that it should be this like non-political thing. Every street should have bike infrastructure. Uh, it should be just like sewer, sewer lines and utility lines. Um, it's just like non-controversial and not a very exciting, not uh, a very exciting answer. answer. But that goes uh, with Warner. That goes with his sort of demeanor and yeah. stuff. So that makes sense. But I, I, but I think that that's a really wrong answer too. I think bicycling means so much more to Portland. Um, even to people who aren't, you know, as interested in bicycling as maybe you or I are, I think that it's still a really important thing uh, that, like, is part of, you know, this idea that Portland is a place that has these lofty liberal goals and is able to, like, uh, do it and to, to build it. And the fact that we haven't been able to build it, I think, really is, is pretty demoralizing. You know, we're talking about not just the, the Peabot staff, but I think demoralizing to the whole city that we have these goals around climate change and around safety, safety, yeah. uh, vision zero, zero traffic deaths, and that we're not able to, to meet it. And so I think that, yeah, being able to answer what bicycling means to Portland in terms of the culture, in terms of Petalpalooza, in terms of seeing big bike rides roll down the street, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, bicycling sort of represents uh, a lot of, of, of different values of like, you know, a, a relationship to public space. Right. Um, that I think, you know, people, even if you don't ride bikes, it's just like so many people know and want to talk about the naked bike ride. Like, to me, that's a very important thing. Even people who, you know, don't ride bikes at all, like still that Portland has this large, the largest naked bike ride is like a cool thing. Yes, I, I, I hear you on that and I agree. But I think the, the director is going to have to be somebody who can talk about that stuff, but also defend against the people who are going to instantly clap back when you talk about that stuff. And by saying that, you know, it's only for certain kind of people who cares about riding bikes naked, right? All that kind of stuff, which at this point in Portland, I think is like a dominant part of the discourse. It's like, or people talking about the racial justice stuff, the racism stuff. It's like, I think one of director Warner's biggest, the biggest piece of his legacy probably, or like maybe one of them is the fact that, well, he happened, his tenure happened around the, when the George Floyd killing happened and the protests that followed his like, action plan thing which like every director gets to do they get to put together this really nice brochure which i have in front of me here or more like a catalog really his was called moving to our future pbot strategic plan right so it covers 2019 to 2022 it was under commissioner u daily and also director warner where they decided that the entire bureau is going to ask two questions whenever they look to make a decision about project mm -hmm. or policy two questions the number one question the first question is will it advance equity and address structural racism. The number one question. Hmm. So that, the second one is, will it reduce carbon emissions, right? Mm -hmm. So, but like, you know, and, and Director Warner said several times in speeches and other things that equity is, his, is the North Star of the agency. So like, that's kind of like where he left it. So whoever comes into this role as PBOT director is gonna have to, in my opinion, to, to be successful, they're gonna have to like, reintroduce cycling to Portland and, and remind people why it's so important to our city in so many different ways, but also be able to talk about it in a new way that allows it to be sort of like not free of that question about does it address structural racism, but say that it can, that it's a value add, you know, embracing the problems it's had around that perception and that reality to some degree, but also talking about why it's so important for black and people, uh, you know, for, for black people, indigenous people, people of color all over the city and why tons of, you know, black people ride bikes and there's all this stuff there. They're going to have to be able to like weave that narrative very carefully, I think, or else they're going to be subject to, you know, this, this pushback around it. So 
that's not an easy thing to do, but it's not impossible. Um, and somebody who I think does a great job of that in a way of like being very bike forward, but also having, letting people understand why they're bike forward and why it matters is like Oregon house representative con fam. Mm, mm -hmm. This is someone who was like an activist on 82nd Avenue, an activist for East Portland was involved in some transportation issues out there, relatively new to the legislature. She puts herself on an electric cargo bike in her fundraising emails. Mm -hmm. She's, she's behind a bunch of, uh, she's behind the e-bike rebate bill, among other things. Mm -hmm. She has not been shy about putting bikes front and center. And I hope that other politicians and other leaders in Portland see that mm -hmm. and go, oh, so you can have a person of color, a Vietnamese you know, immigrant come to Portland, embrace cycling mm -hmm. for all the great things it could do for our city, especially someone from East Portland. I mean, that's another mm -hmm. negative that people have. East People in East Portland like, oh, that might work for you downtown, but not for us. Well, Confam's from east portland that's who she represents uh, it works especially for if you have an electric bike yeah and there she that's is putting it she's putting it front and center and having success i mean from my from my view she's getting a there's a lot of people around her that are excited about her she's good at raising you know she's she's a good politician it's working for her i think so i, I, I think that i would hope that the new director can kind of like mimic some of that or at least be able to navigate some of those uh controversial sensitive topics mm -hmm. uh, that have all that have been tied to biking uh especially in recent years in portland and get us through them mm -hmm. because for me part of the stagnation thing isn't just that our biking rates are are basically plateaued if not going down and maybe and we're not building the infrastructure we need to get to you know the bike plan kind of thing it's a public discourse kind of stagnation mm -hmm. it's like we're stuck in the mud of this like of these, I think, you know, uh, false labels that have been attached to bicycling for years now that have never been refuted by people that matter. I've tried to refute them a little bit, but I'm, I am who I am. I'm only going to have a certain amount of impact. We need, I think we need like city staff, people in city hall, elected officials to sort of like bring us past some of this stuff about, about the, the negative perceptions that bicycling has. So I don't know. I think I might be putting way too much, uh, hope into the director but th that's how desperate i am for a good leader to emerge yeah it would be great to have a few con fams on a city council that would uh that would really change the the conversation yeah for sure okay anything else like any hopes dreams for pbot director what else do we need to talk about about this this hire yeah, i think oh you know one thing that i want to talk about is is uh a little bit of a risk taking you know i think that with uh with director warner you know who's a little risk averse to, to, to making uh, making mistakes and sort of getting burned by those those mistakes and would only sort of like you know seemingly do a like a better NATO project if there was just so much support lining up behind it. And How many years they do have to do a pilot before they finally like oh my god we're ready to do it right yeah. yeah I hear you yeah risk averse okay um and so yeah I'd love to see you know uh, a candidate uh, who has taken has a history of taking some risks and is willing to, to do that. Um, and I think that that's going to be one of the, the biggest challenges uh, of finding somebody. Yeah, I totally agree. The um, lack of risk-taking and the, the controversy avoidance policy, which mm -hmm. has basically been, been like the dogma of PBOT for years now, yeah. which is like nothing that's going to create controversy. There cannot be any opposing votes at council. There can't be any anything bad so mm -hmm. and what ends up happening right is that they end up over compromising the projects they do or the policies to make everybody happy mm -hmm. but then you get a product that no one's excited about and both side neither side is enthusiastic about you again getting back to legitimacy and morale mm -hmm. one of the reasons why i think pbot doesn't have as much you know juice is that is precisely that is that because they are so risk averse and they hate controversy so much they end up compromising everything they do yeah. so that no one really feels like it's a huge win. Uh -huh. So then no one supports them. No one has their back. Yeah. Hawthorne in a nutshell. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I hear you on that. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Um, and then I think, you know, just leveling with the public about we have all these goals. We have this 25% bike mode share, all these, you know, uh, reducing auto dependency. Um, what is it going to take? Financially, we cannot keep on hiding behind, you know, our maintenance backlog uh, to not do anything and to not uh, move on these goals. Um, and so if it requires, you know, doubling the, the gas tax, tripling the gas tax, you know, coming up with parking districts, um, how are we going to fund this? 
uh, I think that we need somebody who is able to sort of like to figure out what that number is. How much money do we need to invest in our transportation system so that there are declining deaths and injuries on our streets? Um, uh, and yeah, and be be honest with with us about that um, before we you know pass all these lofty goals, because otherwise we're just not getting anywhere. Yeah, yeah. To me that to me that gets to the whole thing about how how public and how how visionary is sort of the firebrand versus you know the more conservative vibe person that gets to that question because I think Peabot does I think Peabot internally does a good job about um, thinking about those goals. Right. Mm -hmm. When they're sitting around tables around the budget around other things, you have people. I mean, I just did a story today about how Peabot um, bike bike coordinator Roger Geller really has stood up for those city goals and policies around the I-5 Rose Quarter project and really, frankly, handed it handed it to ODOT uh, in terms of his comments. I won't. They're cr very critical comments about ODOT's Rose Quarter project standing up for those goals and make in, in, in a very public way um, saying, hey. This stuff's not going to get us to those goals. And I think also, I think other managers at Peabot have those goals in mind and realize that they're accountable for those, but it never, it usually never sees the light of day. It doesn't really get out there. And I, I come from like a PR background, I guess, or like a marketing background. So like, maybe I like think about that too much, but if you can't get like a lot of Portland on board with you, you're not going to be able to do stuff that is more controversial. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's just it. And that's how I've always thought that about legitimacy. Yeah, that's how I've always yeah. thought about biking biking in Portland. While I would have a conversation with someone saying it's not this like marginalized tiny thing and I'd try to argue that it's this massive thing and it's bigger than you think. The reality is it's not the status quo default thing for people to do. Driving is. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to raise something up that's going to challenge the status quo, you need to have the marketing, you need to have the charisma, you need to have that public-facing narrative out there. That's why I keep coming back to the, my concerns around the fact that no one in City Hall talks about those goals, right? Mm -hmm. And even people, at, I think at Peabot could be even more forceful in reminding the community more broadly, like not in their press releases, which only people like you and I read, right? Um, but maybe having more proactive campaigns around, hey, Portland, we have a bike plan. We have a 25% of all trips uh, goal. Here's what we're doing. Like, I would love to see a director come in and really like harness the stuff we've already all agreed to mm -hmm. and, and have adopted and start just promoting the heck out of them to try to get, you know, change some of that narrative uh, more broadly in the city. Because I think we're losing, I think we've lost a ton of people. I think a ton of people in Portland are just sick of it. There's, then there's this perception, it's kind of like the pendulum swinging where, you know, we've gone from this like really bike friendly city to a lot of people in Portland being like, hey, I don't, I don't see any bikers when I commute to work, which is true because remote work has changed that. People don't see bikers on the street you know, our, our increasingly divided uh, society. Uh, you, more people see biking as an act of, of politics and they want to, you know, so there's that all there. So I think we need something to counter yeah. those sort of and prevailing that's, that's one of the reasons why Bike Loud adopted as our sort of motto, making 25% of all trips by bike possible. Uh, and we've really like, you know, held to sort of like talking about that as often as we can. Uh, and yeah, I don't think it's just up to Peabot or the director to to do that. I think that it also has to come from the people of Portland uh, to talk about, you know, bring up those those issues and that th these goals as often as possible, um, and and try to get like the Oregonian and the Willamette Week to to do stories about like, yeah, why aren't we meeting these goals? Uh, and we have these goals, and how great would it be? How great would it be to live in a city where 25% of all trips by bike was possible, where you could ride your bike to the, the, the park, to school, to your church, to the grocery store, to get what you need to, to do safely? Like, that would be a better city. And we need to talk about uh, how we can be a better city and not just about, uh, I don't know, whatever we're talking about. Right <laughs> so, okay. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Do you think, okay. Final question. Do you think it's going to be, how, how much value do you put on whether or not the director of Peabot is like a bike rider is someone who's like a regular sort of, you know, not, I won't say a bike racer or like an enthusiast in that regard. How much value do you put in on the Peabot director being someone who has intimate experience on sort of an everyday biking around the city kind of 
experience. How important yeah, is that? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, one of the first conversations that sort of came up in Bike Lab as we were sort of talking about, you know, how do we want to address this director's position? And there's definitely like two sides of it. Uh, uh, and I think it's still an ongoing conversation. For me personally, I... You know, I'm somebody who's, you know, never owned a car, rides a bike a lot. I've never I've never raced a bike, um, but it's an important part of my identity. But I don't think that I don't put very much uh, value in the director having done that. And I think, you know, like Sue Keel, perfect example, somebody who I don't know how often she rode a bike, but maybe the most like impactful director in terms of, you know, advancing bicycling and setting the stage and having, you know, when she was the director, bicycling went from what, like 1% to 7%. She was like the only director who saw bicycling increase in yeah. Portland yeah. and, you know, not a, not a very vocal or uh, have had much experience riding bikes. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that having a director who's able to like, understand and articulate what bicycling means to Portland and also I think is able to like communicate that to the commissioners to city council to news um that's that's much more important to me yeah I hear you on that I think when you're talking about that I'm thinking of the idea of like an ecosystem and while I would be thrilled if the person was sort of a regular biker because I know what comes with that in terms of lived experience and why that's important I, I agree that it, it's not an it's not an I agree that it's not like imperative. It's not a necessity that they are bike riders. Only if, it, but it could be if the ecosystem is off. I think if the ecosystem around that, like in Sue Keel's case, right? I I don't know how much she she personally had to do with the the growth of bicycling under her tenure because the ecosystem was so strong then in terms of the bureaucrats and Pivot just being like hitting on all cylinders in terms of like leading the nation and like hosting a bike summit and like number one city in America and bicycling magazine every year. That was a big part of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. That part of the ecosystem is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So does that change? Like, you know, to me that's like, well, maybe, maybe now it is more important to have a director that's really bike centric to make up for it. Okay. Kyle, either way, whatever happens, you and I will be part of the ecosystem. So we will have a role in, trying to make it turn out the best way it can for biking and transportation. Really appreciate you coming over and talking about it. Oh, this was great. I had so much fun. Thanks so much. That was the chair of Bike Loud PDX, Kyle Johnson. Thank you so much for listening. And to all of you who support Bike Portland, thank you very much. It's your financial contributions that make our work possible. And if you're not a subscriber yet, please do sign up as soon as you can at bikeportland.org support. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss, And until next time, I'll see you in the streets.